0: A start On Demand. On Demand
1: We had an interesting morning, our first fire alarm at 201 Portage, and it happened right in the middle of our show. We had to just get up and flee the building for about 25 minutes, so that was weird. We spoke to a Winnipeg woman who has been waiting for surgery during COVID and found out how the pandemic is delaying her fertility treatments. And we speak with Joe Aiello from Power 97, Winnipeg's rock station, and Frankie's Italian kitchen and bar. That's his restaurant. He joined us first with reaction to the $5 million package for restaurants from the province and to tell us how his restaurant is gearing up for takeout orders for Christmas dinner. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, December 23rd podcast for the start.
2: And now it's time for the start.
1: Well, thank you very much, Mr. Schuyler-Peters. Yes, some, indeed. Some enthusiasm
2: yeah. there. Yeah. Well, I, I like love that. It.
0: You kind of interrupted my Christmas shopping
1: online there. You startled me. <laughs>
2: it's time to work, Matt. All thing. right, it's fine. time to work. Fine, fine.
1: fine. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, Matt. thing McGarry McNabb. Good morning to you. And I know that uh, in Winnipeg, at least the snow situation, turned out to be not... That big a deal, and even the wind. Like I kept waiting for something to happen, and I was up late last night, and it was calm. But (coughs) when I woke up this morning, it sounded like the Evergreen Towers were going to topple over. And Lorraine, you, where do we find you right now?
3: I'm. uh, I've pulled over onto a service road on Highway 75, just west of Saint Adolphe. The wind woke me up at one in the morning, and south of the city, you're right. There was no snow event. There seems to be. A lot of blowing snow but I don't think we got any new snow but I'm just gonna step outside for 10 seconds <laughs> just that's as long as I'm gonna give it and the wind is howling out here it really is coming from I think it's it's swirling out the road I'm sorry I'm gasping trying to catch my breath here um, mostly from the north so I'm gonna step back in the car because while it's good sound it's only good sound for so long I'm guessing Um, No, you can stay out there
1: as long as as you want. It's great ambience.
0: I would say you you should do the whole show from exactly where you are right (laughs) now. Well, except
3: for my mitts are on right now. So you can take that suggestion and you know where you can put it. (laughs) Um, I think the situation for the roads for folks out there today is really going to be more if you're on those east-west highways. So we know Highway 16 was closed. Um, Highway uh, 1 is still open. But it's the travel that I did going west this morning that was really the biggest impact because that wind is so strong from the north and it's pushing all that snow right across the highway. So it's the kind of day where I'm glad I listened to my dad and he told me, hey, keep in mind where you can safely pull over, where are those approaches, where are those shelter belts, just in case you get yourself in a whiteout and you need to safely find a way to get off the road. So it's cold, it's biting and sorry I am getting back in the car, at least to put my mitts back on for a bit, guys. Because oh, yeah. it's
0: uh it's chilly out here. That, that rural upbringing coming to highlight again, shelter belt. How many people know <laughs> that terminology? I didn't know what it was. Shelter belt.
3: Come on, really?
1: <laughs> Never heard of it. Well,
0: well played, okay, McNabb. Well, well played.
3: I, I we for sure on the farm. You know, you'd talk about having trees on the lane that would block the snow, right? And it's the one thing I've noticed since. Coming back to Manitoba in the last 10 years because we live south of the cities so here in the Red River Valley. And you're like, you know what? People could have left a few trees around and that would have <laughs> helped us out in the winter. So it's the line of trees, right? You notice, like, if you're doing regular commute, you know where you are on the highway and you know, okay, coming up shortly, there's this farm and there's a lot of trees there. So the wind right. should die down enough that I'll be able to see their side road and then i can safely pull over if that's what i need to
0: do well that's why you can run into blowing snow in the middle of june between eli and portage la prairie because (laughs) they've cut down all the trees trees. from the united states border to the hudson bay there isn't a a stand of trees anywhere between here and there and so that's why that section of the trans canada seems to be as treacherous as any i've ever encountered at least across western canada so loren how are the roads overall do they need to be plowed do they need to be sanded what's the situation and have you seen any any equipment out on the highways? Yeah,
3: I saw some plows out early this morning as I was passing through uh, St. Adolph-Niverville area, just just on the in the town sites. I haven't seen any yet on 75, but truthfully, um, I'm not, I'll take another drive uh, north to the city and then I'm going to make my way around the perimeter. But there's not a lot of um, drifts or concern right now. The pavement, as far as I can tell, is really dry. Most people are going fairly slowly. You know, they've reduced their speed somewhat. And so I feel like we're going to be so far so good that's fingers crossed right again like i said it depends i think on which highway you're on and and where that snow accumulates And and on the flip side the shelter belts that everyone's gonna laugh at me now for they can also create spots where those drifts will lie right because that's where the snow will come to a stop because now it's not moving as much so it all just depends on i think where you're gonna be but i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah i'm not going i'm not going back out there i'm gonna i'm gonna oh my i can't get my door closed um I'm going to venture out and I'll let you guys know as we go forward and we hopefully will hear from Environment Canada or our our, uh, Kayla Evans in the next little while. And she'll let us know where I shouldn't go maybe would be the more appropriate question. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Loren McNabb really desperate to get out of the
1: house.
3: Oh god, I'm excited. I mean that's terrible. If you you shouldn't drive if you don't have to, but I felt like a caged animal that was released this morning.
1: <laughs> well, I know that when and I, I'm glad that you remarked that you were having a hard time getting back in your car because or closing your door because when I got into my cab this morning, I could barely open the door to get in and then when I did get in, I was having to wrestle with it just to keep it open before it slammed on me. That wind was just Nightmarish out in the open. So, uh, Loren, thank you for braving that cold to stand outside like that. Uh, It certainly sounded great, but, yeah, it's cold out there. Minus, uh, right now I've got minus 17.6, feels like minus 27, and that's coming from the forks. Should pull up what we've got at the airport. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, of course, a reminder that we still have an ongoing power outage situation in Transcona. Kelly Moore uh, living in, it's affecting primarily Canterbury Park, and Kelly may or may not be joining us for sports at 6.25 because he was without power overnight. So GMAC is on standby. Not the night that you want your power to go out, Greg.
0: No, I would say not, and the wind woke me up also probably around 12.30 or so, and it's howling in the city, even where we're protected a little bit. And then Eve, our good friend Eve, out clearing the snow, uh, in his machinery last night uh, mentioned the fact that there was in fact a power outage in our corner of the city. I'm an NK and Kelly's in Transcona. Eve asking well the only question now will GMAX sleep through his alarm? Well fortunately <laughs> I use an alarm on my iPhone so I don't count on house power in any way shape or form just that my phone be charged up. So I had this heads up and at about one uh, thirty, I woke up well before my <laughs> alarm to that oh, twitter no. notification not because the twitter notification woke me up but it was just the howling wind so you're familiar I how this
3: morning i texted you guys to say we should monitor that Transcona power outage and get them on if it's not resolved by six and then brett texted to say yeah greg might have to do sports but and i was like why and he's like, uh, Kelly.
1: Kelly Trans-ona? lives in Transcona. Well, just
3: told me about the power outage. No, that, that was remember? certainly
1: not the tone <laughs> I was implying in my text. I you don't even expect you, you, didn't you to didn't keep write track.
3: anything back. <laughs> That's you like a seventh layer back. connection. That's how I read it.
0: That's a seventh That's layer connection. About. Nobody was expecting yeah. you to pick
1: up on that. Come on.
3: <laughs> I felt it. I felt Brett going. um, Remember the outage you just referenced thirty seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, it's good
1: good to know that uh, even in text, she pictures the resting Brett face. (laughs) Even
3: when your silence is deafening, Brett.
1: (laughs) That's where I'm really seething. (laughs) Today is a special day. And at the Festivus dinner, you gather your family around
0: And tell them all the ways they have disappointed you over the past year. And is there a tree? No, instead there's a pole. Requires no decoration.
4: I find tinsel distracting. (laughs) Frank, this new holiday of yours is scratching me right where I
0: itch. Let's do it then. All right. Festivus is back! I'll get the pole out of the
1: crawl space! A classic episode of Seinfeld. Festivus for the rest of us. And today is the day, December 23rd. So we thought... You know, because that episode of Seinfeld is a must-watch episode for many people around this time of year. So we wanted to ask you, what is your Christmas television tradition? What do you like to watch on your tube every Christmas time? And you can text us, 204-780-6868, for a chance to win a Canada's Winter Wonderland Car Pass. So let's go around the horn here. We've got... Greg Mackling, Loren McNabb, Jeff Forte, Jeff Braun, Skylar Peters. Loren is on the phone now. So why don't we start with you, Loren. Uh, what's your selection?
5: Well, my uh, <laughs> I, I will watch this every year on TV. And it's weird how you prefer to watch things sometimes for the tradition, like for the sake of the commercials. You know you could watch the show by just renting it or owning it or finding it or streaming it. And for years in our family, we used to pull out the VHS, we taped it off the TV one year, and we'd still watch it through the commercials on tape just so we could hear this.
0: do not re me fa so la Don't don't-ti-fa-so-fa me re do not Re-fa-fa La-ti-ti la ti do me-me-me-so-sa so, Re-fa-fa fa la ti me When
5: you know I don't know how much people need to hear the whole thing, but I could hear that whole thing over and over again. And, I, and on our VHS tape that we used to have growing up, the commercials were just some choir singing Go Tell It on the Mountain. So it was like four hours of pure scene, and I loved every second of it. And I will watch that year after year.
1: I confess I still have not seen The Sound of Music. Ah, neither have I.
5: You both just, enough, stop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, very well. Kelly Moore, what about you? Well, uh, there
0: is uh, certainly a tradition in our house as far as uh, Christmas Day is concerned. Mr. Scrooge, your servant, sir. Are you off home to keep Christmas?
5: I am not in the habit of keeping Christmas, sir. Then why are you leaving so early? Because, sir, Christmas is a habit of keeping men from doing business. Come, it's a nature of things that ants toil and grasshoppers sing and play, Mr. Scrooge. An ant is what it is, and a grasshopper is what it is, and Christmas, sir, is a
0: humbug. (laughs) Classic. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Little Bailey's in the Coffee and Alistair Sim on Christmas Morning.
1: 1951 Scrooge or Christmas Carol, depending on uh, where you are in the world, as far as the the title of that movie. Skyler, what about you?
2: I'm uh, not a TV watcher, um, unless unless it's really, I know, anytime I fill in for Kelly or Jeff and you ask these TV related questions, I've got nothing for you, but Mm. uh, I will, (laughs) uh, I'm going to watch eight crazy nights tonight, Uh, I know that's not a TV show, but um, I have it on DVD, uh, and I finally found it. So I'm going to watch it tonight. Um, and then this year, there's a new tradition. The uh, Minnesota Vikings get to ruin Christmas for millions
1: oh boy. Uh, by losing
2: to the New Orleans Saints on Christmas Day. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Christmas oh. is about
0: expectations. And if you're expecting anything different, then it's your fault.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jeff Braun co-host to the Couch Potatoes. What about you? Jeff Bruns. He's not here. Oh, he's not here. Why did I say Jeff? Look at that. You're on autopilot, Brad. I am, apparently. Yeah, Skyler's in for Jeff. What the hell's the matter with me? Okay. okay. I did it earlier today. Jeff, uh, well, let's go to the other Jeff, (laughs) because I can can see Fortier. (laughs) (laughs) What was yours? Eight crazy? No, Skyler's eight crazy nights. Fortier, did you mention yours yet? Oh, I have not mentioned mine. Okay. here to
0: see my old buddy Ben. What are you doing here, <laughs> weird turtle man? <laughs> I'm the holiday armadillo. <laughs> You're part Jewish friend. Okay, every time I see that episode on, I have to watch, especially around Christmas time. Uh, Ross is dressed up as the holiday armadillo trying to teach his son Ben about Hanukkah and Chandler comes in as Santa. But the way that Ross is dressed up and like, especially when he walks, his tail moves this weird way. And, oh my gosh. And then Joey shows up as Superman. It's just, it's chaos. <laughs> it's so
1: good.
0: <laughs> totally forgot about that
1: one. Well done, Forts. And uh, Greg... Uh, should I just fire your clip?
0: Well, I was prepared for the airing of grievances, so I have nasty things to say about all of you. I don't really have a cl- no. I'm kidding. Yeah, go ahead.
4: Christmas Eve, and we're still on this island.
6: Yes, yeah, so I thought sure
2: would be home by now.
6: I'm sorry.
4: Oh, Gilligan, it's not your fault.
0: Merry, merry Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas to
1: you all. We don't have time to play the whole thing, G-Mac, but what's this? For me, when I was growing up, if it wasn't
0: Batman with Adam West, it was all about Gilligan's Island. And the Christmas episode is actually in black and white. And that's the Skipper dressed up as Santa Claus, or so we think. Because Skipper shows up about five seconds after Santa leaves hauling wood. So who knows what's happening on Gilligan's Island.
1: Loren McNabb, who is still out on the roads, uh, joins us now um, to introduce our next guest, who is an example of how COVID is getting in the way of everyday, you know, just the things that we would norm- we would normally be able to deal with, but right now we can't.
5: Yeah, and I think, you know, we talk about dinner plans have changed or get-togethers with families and all sorts of things. Uh, what about... Uh- is the fact you're waiting for a surgery, Brett. So a few days ago, I got a text from one of our loyal listeners and she reached out in the past to let us know the impact COVID is having on her family as she and her partner are looking to become parents. The problem, of course, is treatments. They need to help them become a mom and dad have been repeatedly put on hold over the past few months, including a surgery that should have happened weeks ago. Kelly joins us now. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. Well, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story because I, I know how deeply personal this can be and you're being very open with it. But I also know there's so many Manitobans who can relate to what you are going through with your fertility issues. And so I want to I want to thank you for your time. Oh, of course, I'm glad to share. Well, let's let's talk about where this journey started for you. How long have you and your husband been trying to have kids?
4: Uh, we started trying as soon as we got married, so it's been about three years now. Um, and in the last three years, we've had um, we suffered a miscarriage. We've gone through um, a couple of rounds of IVF. Um, there's been a couple of surgeries already and uh, three failed embryo transfers now. So it's, it's been a lot. What kind of impact has COVID had this year? I mean, in terms of just trying
5: to get some of those treatments that people need to try to get things going, so to speak, uh, take us back to March. Did it start then in terms of delays and
4: things getting pushed back? Yeah, so at the end of February, we were lucky enough to be able to get an egg retrieval in. Um, and so we were so excited because we were going to have some embryos to transfer. And then when they called us with the news that we had some some embryos, they also told us that the clinic would be completely shutting down and that we would have to wait. So we had to wait until uh, about September to start uh, doing our treatments again. And um, we were able to undergo some treatments that unfortunately didn't work. And now they would like to do some exploratory surgery, which was supposed to happen beginning of December. Um, and just because of, uh, of hospitals and, and uh, they had to cancel elective surgeries, so the clinic had to cancel my surgery. It's, it's rescheduled for the end of January, but I'm, I'm not holding out a lot of hope. Uh, that that will happen either. I don't know what, what it will
0: be like by then. Kelly, frustrating is obviously and I would imagine an understatement with regard to what you're going through right now. It's a big decision to take these steps and to go down the road that you're going. Maybe give us an idea of what it's like for you and your husband each time a procedure is delayed and and the steps that you go through in terms of getting to this point of being prepared to, to even have the surgery in the first place in your pursuit of of having children?
4: Well, IBS is basically little bouts of excitement and hope and then just lots and lots of waiting. And so there's always that date in mind of, oh, finally something's going to happen on this day. And uh, after the surgery was cancelled, there was a lot of days of crying. I will admit it was not... Uh, it was not very pretty around here. Um, And, and it's just, it's tough all the time. Like, I think um, we've had a lot of ups and downs, and we're lucky to have good support. But uh, the closure was really tough. And I think at the end of the day, we'll be delayed about a year. And uh, I, I was not a young bride. So time, I feel is not really on our side. And, and I think there's a lot of people in the same position as me that At the end of the day, if treatments aren't um, able to start up again soon, we're going to have to look at alternate ways to build our family because even IVF won't be a really viable option at the end of the day.
1: How old are you, Kelly?
4: I'm 41.
1: Okay, so I, I guess, yeah, is there a point where, like have you already sort of thought in your head, like once we get to a certain age, this is the end of this, of option A, and now let's, as you mentioned, look for an option B?
4: Well, we have, two, um, we have two little embryos in the freezer at the fertility clinic. And after these two embryos, we, we won't be able to get any more. Um, so after these embryos, we will um, start looking at possibly um, surrogacy, which is um, another huge weight and a huge expense that I don't know if will be um, an option to us. Or we might start looking at adoption, which is also um, another really long wait and a lot of money as well.
5: Yeah, it's the waiting, Kelly, and you know, if people haven't gone through a miscarriage and the pain of that, sometimes repeated miscarriages, if you haven't gone through the fertility struggles, it might be hard to relate, but many people can relate to wanting something so bad, which is where you're at. And so I'm curious what you hope Manitobans hear with your sharing of your story today, because I know it's not about complaining about the weight. It's another example of just all the ways COVID has really impacted major life, hopes and dreams for many Manitobans.
4: Yeah, I think besides the obvious of just, you know, staying safe and following the rules so that hospitals can get back to normal and, and people that are, are waiting for surgeries can have them, I think it's it's really important to just for people to be gentle and kind to each other this season because a lot of people are, are grieving and going through loss. Not everyone is going to be overjoyed to see a pregnancy announcement this Christmas. Um, COVID baby jokes are, are never funny for anybody. Um, and, you know, for everyone that, that complains about having to do Elf on the Shelf or, um, having their kids at home for two weeks while school is closed. Um, there's somebody really wishing that a little one would be waking them up on Christmas morning. So just to be kind and gentle to each other, I think.
0: Yeah, Kelly, I'm guilty of from once once in a while on this show joking about the fact that kids ruin everything, and I do not mean that in any <laughs> way, shape, or form. But they change your life, uh, and they change them for for the better. And there just there are so many people out there craving that relationship that. Opportunity to become a parent. Can you just describe for us how badly you want that as part of your life before we let you go?
4: Uh, well, I, I mean, obviously, we wouldn't be putting our life savings into IVF. And, um, you know, we, we canceled our honeymoon because we didn't want to um, have to delay treatment because of, of you know, possibility of Zika. Um, I've had, you know, hundreds of injections, um we spent tens of thousands of dollars and uh you know it's it's all we want so um you know we hope and pray that one day that will come true for us and and uh that's really all we can do right now well, kelly we'll uh, hope and pray for the same thing for you too and
5: thank you for making so many thought-provoking points for us this morning and also just sharing so much of your journey uh we really appreciate it and we always appreciate uh, listeners reaching out like you have thank you kelly
4: Oh, well, thanks for letting me share
1: Kelly joining us live on 680 CJOB and that's uh, that was an eye-opening conversation you know to hear that some of us just want we want a little one to be waking us up on Christmas morning like when I think about how I've been affected by the pandemic I want to go out and and shop for a television I'd like to be able to walk Mm -hmm. into a store but big deal I can wait until January 8th or January 30th or March or whenever because who cares it's just a TV but when you are Wanting to build a family and the clock is ticking, that's, uh, that's tough.
0: Yeah, you know, there yeah. are lots of milestones Loren, in life. And uh, I always say, you know, getting married is one thing and, and certain personal achievements are terrific, but there's no, there's no contest. The day that my boys were born, it is the best day of my life now and and probably forever, and it's not even close to anything else.
5: Yeah, I don't think there's anything more um, anxiety-inducing and thrilling than that moment when you become a mom or a dad, however you become a mom or a dad. And it doesn't mean that that's the journey for everyone. I just mean, personally speaking, that's how I feel about that day and and the past, you know, eight thousand days or how many they've been since I've become a mom, right? And so I, I just, I'm really grateful when people are so open with us because that was so thought-provoking for me to even think about how I'm in the way to even see what the alpha on shelf got up to when I get home this morning because he's always even a mess. And maybe you know, there, she's right, there are people out there who, who would love to see the out on the shelf in their home because they have kids. So I just I'm so
1: grateful that we got to hear that. I uh, hate to jump in here, but we have some sort of an emergency alarm going off in our building, so I think we need to to vacate. So I actually don't know what is coming up next on the start because I think we have to exit the building. Greg, I can see Greg's already got his jacket and toque on. We just it came on about ninety seconds ago, some weird siren, and there's a message I can't quite hear. I smell smoke you okay great let's go okay we got to get out of here um we'll be back when we can it's Macklin mcgarry mcnab on the start all right we are back in the building 30th floor 201 portage uh in case you are just tuning in Mackling McGarry McNabb, we had to uh, we had to vacate the building. We had to flee. There was a, a fire yeah. alarm that went off at about seven forty-six, I think. We started to hear this this uh, sound I'd never heard, and I thought, "Oh, is this is this the day where we hear, or where we learn how <laughs> much fun it is to walk down the stairs?" Greg, you suggested you could maybe smell some smoke uh, before we left, and uh, as for that, but I was I was pretty sure i did
0: so uh i certainly didn't mean to cause any any sort of panic i received several text messages people asking if we're okay so as far as we know there was
1: nothing amiss and that's uh, a great relief
0: did you have to
3: take the stairs
1: Hmm? we did not take the stairs back up we took the stairs down but not back up.
3: You're gonna pay for that tomorrow. Easy walk. The, the 30 flights down is hardy. No, you just wait until tomorrow. Oh no, way.
1: I can already feel it. I'm You're gonna teasing. wake up
3: out of bed and it'll be painful. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it's. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, my my legs actually felt like they were gonna buckle, uh, going down all of those stairs. So thanks to the, those who who reached out to us to to just find out if we were okay, and and uh, we had uh, one listener who lives nearby says if you need some if you're stuck outside for a while and you need some shelter uh, come on by so thank you for that Uh, certainly an interesting experience and indeed it is cold I know the temperature is it's not as cold as it could be it's not minus 30 but with that wind it was brutal Uh, just like you Loren you referenced earlier just after 6 o'clock you needed to get back in your car because you didn't have your mitts on I pulled my phone out of my pocket to, to call you and just for like the 30 seconds I had my mitt off um my hand started to you know felt like it was going to freeze up a little bit so it's not certainly not pleasant outside today
3: no it's a good excuse to stay inside if you don't have to go on the roads don't do it uh i'm just now traveling east uh, back from 75 from 200 to 59 just to check things out a lot of blowing snow out there but it's cold and I i get it we go through this every single year but the first true wind chill test is a test in my mind right when you actually have that huge disparity between the temperature and what it feels like outside and so i think that last check Skylar said felt like minus 29 if i'm not mistaken but uh either way once it gets to that point it means it's cold and you better be you better have those bits on
1: Among the texts we're getting, Greg, here's one uh, regarding Highway 1 from Peter.
0: Yeah, Peter says, I'm traveling from Brandon back to Winnipeg, and the highways were good up until Portage-La Prairie. A lot of blowing snow, and westbound Highway 1 just leaving Portage. Both lanes are completely snow-covered and blocked. There is a truck in the ditch, and two tow trucks are trying to get it out. There is a very long lineup of vehicles trying to get past that. So if you're in that lineup... Please be patient. That's what's going on ahead of you.
1: And uh, we also, regarding a uh, situation, um, we had the fire alarm. We had to go down 30 flights of stairs. And, Greg, you uh, found somebody who worked uh, not in this building, but in the building across the street. Yeah, good
0: morning. It says I was one of those listeners who tuned in and heard Jeff Courier and wondered what the heck Didn't realize they were going to be on Christmas break already. Then you came back on and told us about the fire alarm. Glad you're all okay. I worked in the Richardson building for nine years on the 28th floor. We had an annual fire drill and we all had to leave. It was the early 1990s, so imagine going down 28 flights of stairs in High heels. You still had to dress to go to work back then. Anywho, happy to hear it. it was nothing, and you are all safe. Have a great day. So thank you for that text message at 204-780-6868. Loren, uh, you're there. I believe I can hear you in the background.
3: I am back home now. Just made my way back home after driving around the city over the past couple hours. And yeah, road's still not amazing. But I hate, I'm loathe to say I've seen worse because I'm not trying to encourage people to head out. But you know, as long as you're driving slowly, it's for the most part manageable. But there are those areas of whiteout conditions. I'm still way more thankful to have been out in that cold than I would have been to have taken those 30 flights down and stand in the cold. Because one thing that got me thinking is the fact that we have no places to go into downtown right now. It's not like you can walk into the restaurant or the coffee shop across the street and order something and hunker down for 20 minutes. It's just, just no options to stay warm.
0: We in fact tried to get into the vestibule of a building and uh, we were sort of reminded quite quickly, Hey guys, we can't all be in this space. It's a little bit, it's more than the limit. It's less than safe. So we, uh, we left uh, quite quickly. I was wanting to know if you had to ever do that. I know there's an annual fire drill here as well. Did you ever have to go down the 30 flights in less than practical shoes yourself?
3: Um I like definitely would have had bad shoes on, but I remember always having an extra pair, just a reporter's goal is to always have a bag ready to go right in case you get sent somewhere. So I always had more practical shoes, far too many shoes than actually were necessary underneath my desk. So I do remember switching out to runners one time because I had made that mistake once of having the heels on and it is hard. It's just, there's something about the science of going down, down those stairs that does something different to your body versus if you climb the stairs up every single day.
1: So is it that, is it the the uh, the after effects that you mean, yeah. like the versus the 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 panting and feeling of uh, impending heart attack when you're climbing the stairs.
3: Yeah, and I used to climb up those stairs. That was part of my routine um, for a good several months while I was working there. At least one year, I did it, and I every morning would climb up the stairs, and I'd be all sweaty and like gross and panting when I got to the top, but I wasn't in pain. And then once or twice a year, you'd have to do that trip down, and the next day you'd be like, "Is something wrong with me? Like am I that out of shape that I can't handle going down some stairs?
0: Because it doesn't <laughs> is bug you when you're going down." I had no idea that. Well, you let me be- know.
3: Maybe it's just me, but I don't think it is. There's no way I could make even
0: dream of making it up to compare the two. So, <laughs> so there's that.
1: We want to speak to one of our listeners. Her name is Liz Carpenter. And about a week ago, she sent us a text message, uh, which I found so touching and, and uh, heartfelt, because I had suggested that I was going to be at home uh, alone for Christmas, which, whatever, it, it, it's not the end of the world. But uh, my, I thought that my sister and my father would get together, uh, but she has elected to stay home, so I'm going to go see my dad. Uh, but before i learned that liz says well hey i'm uh me and my husband since we don't have the family coming over we're gonna make dinner for people who are stuck at home alone and i st- so i said to liz as it turns out i'm going to see my dad but i think we might take <laughs> you up on that anyway so liz joins us now live hello there liz Good morning, how are you? Doing okay. First of all, thank you again uh, for You're this. You're so welcome. What, so you said it wasn't just for me. How many people are you doing this for?
6: Well, I, we're going to be um, making a plate or dinner, whatever, uh, for one of our neighbors. And then there's a young fellow at a gas station. And he always has to work Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And he's always alone, obviously. And so we're making up a plate for him. And then whoever, you know, needs a plate, then we're going to just make
0: them up. That is so sweet. Liz, I've lived away from Winnipeg at Christmas time in the past, and we'd have these orphan dinners, or we'd get people, you know, in BC, we'd get all the Winnipeg people together and have a dinner. This is just a little bit of a different version of that, where you're taking care of folks that might otherwise be alone. Have you had to go out and get some different packaging so that you can... Put together these care packages and deliver them what sort of extra effort have you had to go to never mind the the thought process and and the the gracefulness that you're uh, displaying here in the first place
6: well yeah my husband went to costco and he got these uh you know grapey containers well yeah i guess big containers you know to uh, put all the different dishes in and which was not a big deal and Uh, I don't know, it kind of just makes me feel great to know that, you know, we're putting a smile on people's faces. We can't spend it with our family, so might as well make someone else happy, right?
3: This is the second time this morning that I've had tears in my eyes, Liz, so thank you for that, because I mean that in the kindest way. It's happy to think about people feeling good, helping others, and and maybe it's going to be a bit of fun for you and your husband, too. It's a different way to spend Christmas, and perhaps you're not doing what you normally would be doing Christmas Day either.
6: No, that's right. But like you said, I mean, you know, like if we can do a little something to put, you know, just uh, a little smile on someone's face, uh, it's worth it.
1: What are you making us?
6: <laughs> wow. Let's
1: get right down to brass taxes <laughs> here.
6: the nitty gritty here. Well, there's going to be turkey and gravy and Swedish meatballs and... Stuffing and potatoes and vegetables and all kinds of like you know dainties and sausage
3: meat. Which uh, is a- Liz, I'm alone for Christmas too. This <laughs> year. Yeah, I just <laughs> got a text
0: from Jackie. Apparently, she's going somewhere else. I'm going to be home by myself. So,
6: well, <laughs> so just give me a list. We have
0: your we have your number. We'll text you the address. <laughs>
1: Well, Liz, uh, thank you very much for for taking a second to pop on with us this morning. But once again, thank you for the offer and and for for welcoming us like this into your life. Uh, I graciously accept the uh, the dinner and and I'm, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, based on what you just described, it sounds great. So I will see you uh, tomorrow to pick that up. You,
6: you bet. And uh, Merry Christmas to you all. Have a wonderful one. And uh, thanks
1: for having me on. Liz Carpenter joining us live on 680 CJOB. She's a member of the CJOB family, and we thank you for that time. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Greg, you know what? With that north wind... Even though it's super windy, I it, it's going to actually give me an assist on the walk home. It's just going to push me all the way home because I'm, oh,
0: right. I'm walking south. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, I used to deliver the Winnipeg Free Press from Portage Avenue all the way to Ellis Avenue. And on those cold, cold days, I can remember carrying my newspapers, walking backwards, walking north on Golding Street because that wind would just come howling straight down Straight down Golding Street from it felt like Churchill and uh so that's good to have the North Wind it's on the your way back. Of
3: shuffle. Tuck your neck down, pull up your neck warmer, <laughs> that's right? right you that's get true. Shoulders hunched and then turn around and walk <laughs> backwards all the way home from school. Well right.
1: I saw Joe Scarpelli on Global News Morning uh, and he had his jacket hunched up to his <laughs> to his chin. He looked like a turtle. Because his jacket was green as well. And we've got another Joe in studio with us. Joe Aiello, our colleague from Power Mornings at Winnipeg's rock station, Power 97. He also has a restaurant, Frankie's Italian Kitchen and Bar. You can find it at 505 Sterling Lion Parkway. Joe, hello there, sir.
2: Hey, guys. uh, Good morning, Uh, Loren and Brett. I do have to mention I grew up in the West End, and uh, we all knew uh, Mac, uh, Greg, as he's affectionately known as Mac, was the original moonwalker in the west end of uh, Winnipeg in the winter. That's where it all came down. His dancing abilities developed on the streets of the west end of Winnipeg.
0: Joel, that was supposed to be a secret.
1: (laughs) Dance like nobody's watching you. Greg. So uh, we wanted to talk to you about how you're gearing up for... Christmas dinners, because a lot of people are going to be doing take-up. But before yeah. that, Greg, or uh, Joe, we got to ask you, yesterday's announcement on the $5 million for the province helping restaurants, what's your reaction?
2: Yeah, you know what, uh, just talking to my my cousin Raf, who uh, basically takes care of the day-to-day restaurant stuff that I mean, hey, listen, it's a positive anytime there's some funding that's coming your way. I don't know what the breakdown's going to be with the amount of restaurants in, in Winnipeg, but it's a positive, it's a step in the right direction, and in a year that there hasn't been that many positives, you got you to gotta take that away from it right now. And I really feel for a lot of the local businesses as well. But restaurants have a special meaning because they're a meeting place. There's, you know, places of engagement, that kind of stuff. And I think people are really missing out on that.
0: Well, and of course, Christmas and so many of our celebrations, whether it's a birthday or, or New Year's, food is at the heart of that and so we're going to potentially be missing out on uh, the food that we love, but you're going to try and fill that void a little bit with uh, some of your outstanding recipes, Joe. Tell me how uh, how you're going to deliver this, so to speak.
2: Well, what's, uh, what's happening, and there's a lot of places that uh, have found out that there's probably going to be less cooking done at home because less people in your residence, that uh, I think restaurants might thrive over the next few days. So we have some... Uh, Uh, holiday menu items like uh, there's a turkey dinner there's a prime rib dinner and also a lamb shank dinner I don't know how many are are still left because obviously it's limited but uh, I think most restaurants are are trying to do something along the holiday season to survive Um, but yeah and then there's special pricing in play but uh, it's going to be an interesting Christmas I think but we opened up like about seven weeks before COVID hit so it's just been a a whole new year, like, trial for us anyway, right? You like you don't know going into the Christmas season how many dinners you're going to sell ahead of time. And for a lot of restaurants, the tricky part is it's the pre-ordering that has to happen, right? So you're not stuck with making a lot of extra, you know, house-made food and such, but... Yeah. You know what? I'm I'm pretty optimistic, though, with the subsidies that are coming in and probably more along the lines and the vaccinations and everything that uh, hopefully normalcy hits a lot sooner than later for uh, for just local business overall, not just the restaurant business.
3: Joe, for you, I mean, like people get into the restaurant industry for a lot of reasons. One might be you like to cook or you like the food, but I know a lot of it has to do just with the idea of being around people mm-hmm. because food brings so much joy, right, to see the reactions on people's faces. And so I'm curious how, how hard that's been because – just doing the takeout business means you don't. It would, it, you almost might, might want them to eat in front of you. Just take one bite before yeah. you go, just so you can see if you enjoy it, right?
2: <laughs> well, it's yeah, and I'm not a shy guy by any means, so it's been interesting. Like I've cut the conversation short myself. Like if I'm at the restaurant, you know, thanking people for coming in and, and such, but it's like you know, and you can't get close to people, right, with the mask and everything else, or or you're outside. Like days like today, curbside pickup is not bad if you're the consumer because you can just sit in your car. Call in and someone will bring it out to you, right, like uh, at any of the restaurants. But uh, I I think overall, though, Manitoba, and I mean, it makes sense. People are trying to save money as well because you don't know what the future is going to bring as well. But I think the support for restaurants overall in Manitoba has been uh, exceptional. And I know we've always heard that uh, per capita we've got uh, a lot of restaurants here. But uh, the support, I think, has been, uh, been amazing overall.
1: Well, and one of the things, and I've been doing my best, and that's what I tell myself as I look at my expanding waistline. Like, oh, I'm just doing my part to help Manitoba's restaurants. Yeah, but Gary's up to a 32 waist now, by the (laughs) way. If anybody was wondering, 32. Uh, It's a bit more than that. But um, as great as takeout is, I really miss that in-restaurant experience, and especially at a place like yours, Joe, because you – make a point of going through the
2: entire restaurant and checking in with the customers. And that's such a nice touch. Yeah. I want to know what's going on, but I also like people. And, and I think overall, especially for the creative end of the restaurant business for a lot of people, the chefs, you know, even the frontline workers, I feel bad that they're out of work right now and not engaged with people because you have to have that personality obviously in any job, but the creative side for the chefs and the cooks, how bad is it for them? Because now it's just takeout. And takeout's never the same as in-house, obviously, right? And uh, when your your menu's based on a lot of traditions and homemade sauces and, and that kind of stuff, it hurts a little bit for sure. Yeah.
0: Joe, I, I've mentioned this before, but in my time with Earl's, we weren't necessarily in favor of doing takeout food. We would do it, but right. it wasn't our preference because we knew there were some meals that simply didn't travel very well that, right you know they're they're made you kind of touched on it there they're made to be presented in a certain fashion they're prepared to be eaten at a certain temperature etc what are you doing to combat that and to make sure that the meals that go out the door are consumed? Because you're a brand new place. Yeah. You mentioned only open seven months before this all came down. So what are you doing to make sure that the food makes the impression that you want it to make?
2: Well, you try and create the same presentation you can in containers. You know, we kind of joke about that, but that's what you're dealing with. And uh, on the other end of it, you've taken, we've taken some stuff off the menus and I'm sure others have as well because some of those sauces are... Are not for traveling, right? They just don't uh, look well, and they just don't show up well in in the pre- presentation. So you limit your menu a little bit, I think, and uh, and then you create other things along the way too. Like uh, it's probably made our kitchen better, maybe others as well, because they've uh, created other dishes that they can present, especially over the holiday season, right? So. It's kind of fun in that regard because you get to sample and, and try different things. But I think overall, most people are understanding of that as well, that when they are ordering takeout, they're getting what uh, they're getting. But I'm kind of lucky in one way because we're an Italian-based menu, and Italian food is one of the foods that travel well. You can reheat it, you know, uh, on uh, depending on what you're getting, but uh, there's always a, a little trick or two to, to different things, but...
0: Well, yeah. I, I know that there are some people believe that uh, well, lasagna in particular oh, great. tastes better the next day. Yeah, in fact, after yeah, spaghetti, spent,
2: after it spent a few hours in the fridge. No, hundred percent. Pizza. I'm not a bad. I, I can have pizza three times a day for sure. <laughs> it looks like I have in most cases, but. Um, Yeah, you know, I just think uh, overall Manitoba has been very good to the restaurant business over these uh, trying times, especially when people are willing to part with their hard-earned money to help keep places alive. I think that uh, is a tribute to uh, how good of a province we live in. Regardless of the politics and everything else going on, it was nice to get this subsidy yesterday, uh, and we'll see how that goes and if there's more coming. But I think overall people are making... uh, a pretty good deal about uh, supporting local over the holiday season, and that kind of warms your heart during a pretty mm. negative year.
3: And Joe, we should mention we had um, Chef Gordon Bailey on yesterday yes. from Red River College, just giving us some, you know, side dishes yeah. and things to try, be different this year. So people, if they're bringing home a meal from Frankie's, it won't be one they made in the house, but you've got. I, am I seeing mussels that can get added to yeah. this?
2: Yeah, we've got uh, some seafood oh, uh, Yeah, <laughs> uh, add-ons that you can have. I would personally drive out to your place, Loren, except <laughs> where I'm going to wait for the wind to die down if you don't mind. But no, yeah, so there's different uh, things that have been added to uh, a lot of people's menus, including ours. And you know what I think people have learned this year too is people have learned more about cooking themselves. So... I don't know if that's a positive or a negative in the long run for people going out, but I think it's more of a celebration that I think you will see more people become foodies and actually experiment with new restaurants in 2021 from stuff they've tried at home as well. Joe Aiello,
1: our colleague from Winnipeg's rock station, Power 97. His restaurant is Frankie's Italian Kitchen and Bar at 505 Sterling Lion Parkway. The website is frankiesitaliankitchen.ca. And uh, I believe I am going to make a date uh, with... Your uh, the fried chicken family meal. I'm with you. Yeah, that that, that mm, Joe's so good. It, yeah, it's it, good for two people or one Joe, as I like to yeah, say. Yeah, it'll feed me uh, <laughs> and me, and, and I one, can't wait. One, my <laughs> <laughs> Joe, thanks for popping by, man. Good to see you. Thank you, guys.